Welcome to the Pregnancy Help Podcast. Today's episode guest is Heather Berner, who is the Executive Director of the National Safe Haven Alliance. And we're also joined by Nafisa Kennedy, who's the Director of Heartbeat International's 24-7 Pregnancy Helpline Option Line. The Option Line connects women and men with pregnancy-related questions to life-affirming pregnancy help near them. They can even schedule appointments for centers, providing real-time assistance to women when they need it the most. Our professionally trained consultants are equipped to handle the tough calls, even when centers' doors are closed. Through phone, text, email, and chat, OptionLine provides women with the immediate care they want and connects them with pregnancy help organizations for the long-lasting relationships they need to make healthy choices in their lives. Go to OptionLine.org to learn more. So welcome, Nafisa and Heather. We're glad to have you with us. And I know we have a lot to cover. So Nafisa, I'll turn things over to you to get us started. Thanks, Christine. It's really a joy to uh, be with you, Heather, today. Um, You and I have had a chance to work pretty closely over the last several years, and um, I've just had um, a wonderful experience working with you and your team. Um, But for our listeners, would you mind sharing what exactly is the National Safe Haven Alliance? So, yes, of course. And I'm so thankful to be here. I, we just love you all so much and, and so grateful for the partnership we've been able to maintain over all of these years. So I want to start by saying thank you for everything you do for us. Um, so, okay, yeah, let's jump in here a little bit. So Safe Haven um, is a law that allows a parent to surrender their unharmed infant to a designated Safe Haven provider up to a certain age. Every state in the U.S. has a safe haven law, and the first one was actually passed in 1999 and all the way through 2008 before we, um, before the laws were enacted in every state. So now, moving forward, um, the National Safe Haven Alliance was actually put together in 2004 and just developed um, by a group of a board of directors that were actually doing the work to get the laws passed all across the country. And they were operating nonprofits as well as operating a whole lot of different areas. There were um, a news broadcaster, folks that had been in the trenches and seen a baby's abandoned and, you know, found dead in dangerous locations. And people were just feeling very passionate about how we could give women and parents safe alternatives to abandoning their baby. So the organization was created. And since then, as a nonprofit, we were able to to operate a 24-hour hotline with the help of Option Line. And that has just been amazing. So initially, it was thought that we really just wanted to give women and parents the option of, of safe haven and to develop that to develop that in a way that was holistic but as subject matter experts you typically want to be able to answer all the questions that someone may have about their safe haven law and be able to direct them appropriately so initially that was kind of the the true north of the of the nonprofit and what we found were that women and parents really needed safe options across a multitude of planes. And so we developed more of a holistic approach, which includes the parenting, temporary placement, adoption, and then safe haven. Wow. What an amazing life-saving mission you have, Heather. How did you become involved with the National Safe Haven Alliance? Well, I actually became... so. 
About 13 years ago, uh, I, I'm a pediatric ER nurse. That's where my training is. And, and we, I was at work one day and we actually received a 15-year-old that had complained of abdominal pain into the ER. She was triaged and then placed back in the waiting room to wait for a room to open up where she then went to the bathroom and delivered her baby by herself and put that baby in the trash can. And so it was very traumatic for everyone involved that day as we were working a code and trying to save this little baby's life once he was found by a housekeeper, which we think was about 15 minutes later. We were not successful in saving his life. And so at that time, I knew a little bit about Safe Haven just in passing, but our oldest son had also gotten pregnant the first time that he and his girlfriend had sex and they hid the pregnancy for a little bit, but ended up coming to us. Thank goodness. And at the time this baby passed away, our grandson was two weeks old. So it really, um, like I said, was traumatic for everyone, but it kind of hit me at a, on a personal level, our family in the way that what if they would have just kept that pregnancy hidden? What if this could have been a different outcome? So I started volunteering pretty much anywhere people would let me talk about safe haven and give information about the law. And that moved into volunteering with Arizona program. Uh, A few years later asked, I was approached to take over the Arizona program. And at that point I started building blocks across the country, like building connections and learning what other people were doing. So we could, you know, mimic that or learn from that in Arizona. And And it kind of established a communication network with throughout the country, um, leading to being asked to accept the position as the executive director for the National Safe Haven Alliance. And I've been doing that now for about five years um, and got to, you know, just an honor to rebuild the program and really have it parent and baby focused so that we are really working uh, around the clock at all times to see how we can better increase the outreach, increase the awareness, and and be there when those calls come in. Wow, Heather, you have such an amazing uh, story. Um, and, and I mean, it's sad, of course, that um, the baby did not make it, but I imagine that makes you so passionate about helping moms who are in that situation. Could you tell us a little bit about um, what it looks like when a mom comes to you thinking about choosing safe haven? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I we just are honored to answer these phone calls. My team is made up of social workers, nurses, uh, paramedics. Um, we just have kind of a, a broad approach to things, but it's very specific as far as how we support parents in crisis. And so I kind of mentioned the hotline, that's the biggest tool and working through what that looks like. So typically we would ask where a parent is from, and then we would ask them to tell us a little bit about their situation. Once they tell us their state, we are then working on the other side to make sure we're pulling up the safe haven law in that specific state so we can give them accurate direction if that is the choice that they that they make. Um, once we get a little bit of information about their situation, we ask them as lovingly as we can, what prevents them from feeling they can parent this child? And what we have found is that the baby is often not the crisis. 
The crisis is actually the circumstances that they're experiencing, the the life that they're living right now, the traumatic event, the domestic violence, the sex trafficking, the abuse, whatever that might look like. We want to address that with them if they allow us to, because we are not the end all be all, but we get to partner with organizations like yourself and so many other organizations across the country that do amazing work. So if we can dig into what is actually being experienced by this by this person, maybe we have a chance to keep the family together. Um, I we actually helped a woman. This was a couple of years ago. Now that was sitting outside of an emergency room with her six day old baby. She was getting ready to walk inside and she had called to ask what she's supposed to say. What is she supposed to do? And when we worked through this process of communication that I'm explaining, when we asked her what prevents her from parenting, she was homeless. She was living in her car. Her other three children were living with family. She had lost her job because of COVID and lost her place. So she was, she felt that it was a dangerous environment for her baby So once we paused the conversation and asked her, what do you feel if we are able to get you into housing, if we can get you and your child into a safe place, does this change the decision for you? Does this change the outlook? Because we know that raising a child is not about, you know, the next five minutes. It's, it's truly many, many years. So we want to, we want to give that some thought. And for her, it was about the next five minutes because she didn't feel she could keep her baby safe, how she was living. So she did want to keep the child if she could get to safety. And so our team went to work to find a shelter that would accept her and the child, which I don't know if anyone's ever tried to do that, but it's almost impossible. So you, you know, the Lord was blessing us that day because within a couple of hours, we were able to get them both into a shelter. Um, We raised money for her. We bought her a used laptop. We sent her a baby shower sprinkle, which is essentially a baby shower in a box. It bottles, diapers, clothes, blankets, um, toys, books, um, a Bible, a journal for the mom, a little, you know, some cozy things for her. We sent a, a huge box of goods for her so that she felt supported and cared about and that she didn't have to figure out how to make all of this work by herself. So she ended up choosing to parent. And that's that. That's just one example of the importance of slowing down the conversation and seeing where we can actually meet the needs of the caller. What a great story of the way your team blesses these moms. I I do want to pause and go back to something you said a moment ago. Uh, You said the baby is not the crisis. And that resonates with me on many levels, um, in particular moms who are thinking about abortion. Mm -hmm. We get those calls all the time on the hotline um, and it's so true. The baby is not the crisis. There are so many other factors that contribute to the choices that mom is making. And I wondered if you could um, maybe share with our listeners, um, you know, in, in situations where a mom does choose to relinquish her parental rights, what does that process look like for her? Um, what is responding to that crisis look like in a situation where she chooses not to parent? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, you know, once we kind of provide all of these different options and, and I'll, I'll give you kind of some examples of each of them, but when we talk about a woman that is utilizing the safe haven surrender, it is, it is a traumatic event. And typically we have to have some understanding of what that is because most parents want their children 
And so we understand and try to recognize that they must be experiencing something just very critical and outside of the realm of possibilities for ourselves. So we really want to show them love and care. So we we kind of walk them through what the state law looks like for them. What is the process for them? And then at that point, if they do choose that safe haven is the correct option for them and their baby, then we want to make sure that we establish a connection and coordinate that process. So when we ask a woman, well, where are you located? This is the nearest safe haven provider for you. So it's a hospital. Let's say it's a mile away. And that's what she decides. She doesn't want to go to the fire station. She wants to go to the hospital. We then call the hospital. We talk to the house supervisor or someone in charge that can help coordinate a point of contact for this mother so that she doesn't walk into a busy emergency room and isn't bombarded by 10 or 15 different staff members trying to say the same thing. So we explain what their law is, we ask them what their policy is, and we help walk the staff through along with the mother. So she's not isolated, she's not alone, and that way we let her know this is the point of contact at this location, and she's going to meet you out front. And it's it has been pretty amazing because it's reduced a lot of the fear. Obviously, there would be fear and anxiety attached with this type of situation. Yeah, it sounds like you really do a lot to advocate for uh, your clients, um, whether they choose to proceed with um, placing through a a safe haven location in their community or whether they choose to parent, uh, your team just provides so much support. Um, In your opinion, if a mother is thinking about choosing to place with, with a safe haven, what is the one most important thing she needs to hear in that moment? The most important thing to hear, I think, is that she is so brave and so strong. So most most parents are in just such a desperate place at this time, but they've already made such a huge choice to give life to this baby and now are looking for a safe option for this child. And that is the place that we get to step in and are so honored to be a part of that conversation. And so, you know, the biggest piece I think technically would be for us to explain the difference between safe haven and adoption so that if they did have um, any questions about adoption, we want to make sure that we're answering those because safe haven is anonymous, it's confidential, and the parent is not going to know or receive any information about that baby once they've decided this. So that's from a technical perspective, but I think from an emotional and um, you know, working with the client directly that we want them to know that we care about them, that we honor their choice, no matter how, how difficult that may be. You make a really interesting point, and that is that there are significant differences between placing for adoption and um, relinquishing parental rights through safe haven. Could you talk a little bit more about those differences? Yeah, so I think that, you know, I'm not an adoption expert and we, our team does not um, coordinate or facilitate anything like that. But what we do do is connect with adoption agencies across the country. And we usually do a little bit of research before we ever connect a mother directly with an adoption caseworker. We want to know that they're birth parent oriented. So it's a, it's a, it's a big part of what we do to do that research, even if it's right now. Um, I, I'll pause here. I had a case actually about a month ago and I was driving a social worker called from the hospital 
the parents were there. They were very young. They delivered the baby. They did not want to see the baby, but they wanted to do safe haven. So at the time, he didn't have much information about safe haven. He said he'd never had a case like this. It was a very small town in the Pacific Northwest. And um, when I was able to explain to him the safe haven process, and then I said, "Have you? has anyone talked about adoption? He said, no. I said, well, how about you give them our direct number and we'll, we can talk to the parents through all of their options. So that's what happened. The mom and, and the dad called us and we worked through that. And I explained the difference between adoption and safe haven. As I mentioned, you get a say, so you get to choose a family. You will choose whether you want contact with them, whether you want pictures or you want to visit every couple of weeks or however that might look for the birth parent and the adoptive family. There are several different options available out there and the adoption caseworkers get to talk about that. Um, so we connect them on a conference call to make sure that all of their questions are answered. Can it remain essentially confidential in a, as a process. And there are some processes through adoption that can remain very quiet and confidential, although they need more information than safe haven. So we do explain that safe haven, you don't have a choice. You don't get to choose the family. You will not see pictures or have updates on the child at any point in the future, although they will be placed safely with a family, and I'm sure they'll be loved immensely. There are some stark differences between the two. And this family, this this couple did decide that adoption was the right option for them. So again, because we slowed that process down, we talked about safe haven, but then we actually offered more information about other options. The family felt like that, that was the choice they wanted to make. They did want to get pictures. They were very young, but decided that maybe in the future, they would want to have more contact than they would have with safe haven. So we we're able to connect them with an amazing adoption agency and um, they worked that process through within a day. So it was pretty amazing. That is amazing. And what a selfless decision um, mm-hmm. those parents made. Um, Heather, how can pregnancy centers and adoption agencies, other pregnancy help organizations work together with the National Safe Haven Alliance? Yeah, that's a great question. So we have found that the important missing piece is the awareness. So all the states have implemented a safe haven law of some sort, but not all the states, in fact, most of them did not put any type of funding behind awareness efforts. So it's incredibly important as we're connecting with like-minded folks and, and partnerships that they are also sharing information about safe haven. Especially, I think, in understanding that we're not just telling someone where to drop off a baby, that it's much more comprehensive than that. Um, We want folks to know that we're there for the pregnancy centers. We're there for the parents. So we can we can help on either side. And, And the same with adoption agencies. We actually work with many adoption agencies and send them information and brochures so that they also, as they're out in the trenches, are equipped with the information that might serve the parent in the best way possible. That's, that's wonderful. And I am so glad that we get to be part of spreading that awareness uh, among the pregnancy help community just through this podcast. Um, I've always thought that everyone should know about the National Safe Haven Alliance and the amazing work you guys do. Um, Do you offer any type of training 
to folks in the pregnancy help movement or uh, where can listeners go to learn more or take advantage of some additional training that might be available? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So we have a website, which is nationalsafehavenalliance.org. And if you go to the website that we offer the ability to purchase signs there. So if it's a safe haven provider specifically, they can order signs and decals. Um, We also, if if you reach out on our contact form, we provide a a basic training PowerPoint for every pregnancy center, depending on their state, so that they can have state-specific information. Uh, We actually have a pregnancy outreach leader. Her name's Leah. And she's amazing. She's fairly new, but we're we're essentially going to be working across the country to at least reach everyone to make sure that they're equipped with the training. But if someone hears this and reaches out to us, that will fast forward this process immensely. So we would be grateful for that. So yes, you can go to the website. You can call our office number. Um, there are several ways to get in touch with us, and we will we can provide a link if you want to order a large amount of brochures, posters. We have little small business cards with information, or we will send out a you know a smaller care package that has everything in it to at least like a starter package. Great, thanks for sharing that. So if I could ask, um, it, what ways? Uh, can listeners support the work of National Safe Haven Alliance? So that, when what we look at, so there are a multitude of ways to help uh, support the safe haven efforts across the country. And so because we are so widespread and work essentially in every state, um, we connect dots with other nonprofits that actually may exist in a state, which are a handful of states. But our program has grown so much over the last few years that we created different projects. And so for parents specifically, we created the Baby Shower Sprinkle Project, the Love Project, and we actually send out a love bundle for parents that may have chosen adoption or safe haven so that we get to send them a care package if they're willing to share their information with us. But we typically spend anywhere from three to $500 on a baby shower sprinkle and make sure that a parent has a car seat and all of the items that they might need to take a new baby home. And so that's a really fun way to um, work with your church or your friends and group of people and put together a project and, and ship that to us. And we will get it to a mom in need. I'm actually getting ready to send one out for a baby boy that's being born in a couple weeks. So those are amazing uh, donation donated pro- projects. Um, we also obviously funding. So we will typically even pay for a hotel room for a night if if we have a pregnant mother or a mother that has a baby and doesn't have anywhere to go. We often get these crisis calls and we want to make sure that they're in a safe location while we find them uh, more permanent options. So that's part of the Keeping Mothers and Infants Together Fund we have where we can use that money to pay for an electric bill or a cell phone bill or maybe a night at a hotel. So those please know that the donations go directly to our, to our families and to the parents. Um, And then obviously one of the most important ways and free way is to share on social media and share by telling your friends and family about safe Haven. Even if you don't know the specific state law in your state, you can pull that up on our website, but you're going to save a life. When we start talking about this and creating conversation, that's how people will have the information. Awesome. And nationalsafehavenalliance.org is your website. What social media platforms do you use, Heather? It's at Safe Baby Haven for Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. 
Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Heather, for having this conversation today. I'm going to turn it back over to Christine. Okay. Thank you, Nafisa. It was so good to talk with you. Hey, thank you, Heather and Nafisa. Uh, I just encourage our listeners to share this episode with uh, someone else, especially in the pregnancy help movement, just to get the word out there. Um, we did an episode recently, very recently, on adoption and um, busting some of the adoption myths that are out there. And so this one kind of piggybacks on that as we cleared up some information on Safe Haven. So thank you so much, Heather, for that. I uh, really appreciate you joining us today for this episode uh, to our listeners please subscribe. That way you won't miss another episode as we continue to bring you additional content. And uh, thanks for listening to this episode of the Pregnancy Help Podcast.